You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. Greetings and welcome to Domecast, the news and observer political podcast. I'm Don Vaughn here with Colin Campbell, Will Doran, Danielle Battaglia. And joining us for her first Domecast is our new political reporter, Lucille Sherman. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So we're talking the day after primary craziness and the surprises and fun stuff and voting and, and all of that. So we're awake again. Yes. Are we? <laughs> I'm not sure that's true. So you guys want to talk first about uh, major upsets. I would say Lieutenant Governor, maybe like Holly. Yeah, that was exciting. I mean, no one really could say for sure what was going to happen in that race because there mm-hmm. were so many candidates. But we all kind of thought, I guess, in the... Democratic side, it was going to be either Senator Terry Van Dyne or maybe Representative Chaz Beasley. Um, they raised mm-hmm. more money. They had a higher profile campaign. Turned out not so much. Um, it's Yvonne Holly, representative from Wake County, who is in the lead and maybe having a runoff, maybe not, depending on what Terry Van Dyne decides to do. But Right. So she got 25, 26 percent of the vote. I remember like the final count. And then Van Dyne is behind her at 20 um, and Van Dyne was, I think, like third or fourth at one point during the night. Um, but Holly was in the lead and maintained it. You have to have at least 30 percent to win outright. But the second place person needs to call for a runoff. So if Van Dyne doesn't call for one, then then Holly would win. But the other thing about her in winning is that she's a Wake County state representative. And so her um, her constituency is larger than someone from a smaller area. And, you know, Asheville for Van Dyne's not as big. Uh, so a lot of that was, um, you know, number of people that, that voted for what we thought, right, was at the Republican side because there were like eight, nine? Nine, yeah. Nine of them. was certain to go to a runoff. Yeah, and it didn't. No, it's yeah. Mark Robinson from Greensboro, who you all might know for from his viral... Um, you know, pro-gun video um, from the Greensboro City Council. Yeah, he got a lot of NRA support, so I'm assuming that's sort of what happened there. But he had, you know, less money than a lot of the um, state legislators and other more high-profile names who had spent a lot of money. I mean, the the second place, who was second place by far, was Senator Andy Wells, who Mm -hmm. uh, pulled in like half a million dollars of his own money at the last minute to run TV ads that apparently... Did not even get him close to Robinson. Robinson doubled it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nowhere near close. You would think just because, yeah, sheer numbers of candidates that it would definitely be split. But then it was kind of equal 6%, 6%, 6% with like Gephardt and, you know, some of the other. And some of the ones did really, I mean, you know, Congress, former Congresswoman Renee Elmers was like down towards the bottom. Um, Buddy Bingle, who you thought might have an advantage by having a name that sounds like a friendly tiger, he was like last (laughs) place. But surprisingly, the the candidate who probably had the smallest campaign, at least in terms of fundraising and name recognition, was John Ritter, from attorney from Moore County, who mm-hmm. was in the top four or five. And the speculation on Twitter is that people confused him with an actor from Three's Company. Three's Company. I was thinking and people might have confused him with Josh Ritter, the singer, but I don't know how popular that music is among Republican Jason primary circles. Ritter, John's John Ritter's son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Danielle, you wrote that story about how what it could mean for name recognition oh, yeah. or, you know, that makes a makes a big difference yeah. if somebody doesn't know anything about the candidate, if yeah. they like their name or not. What political scientists of North Carolina, that's fancy sounding, um, what they told me was basically like if you have a name that sounds like like Judge Mark Martin or, yeah, he, uh, you know, sounds like the NASCAR guy or if you're, um, God, I'm blanking on every name. I've been up all night. Um, but, you know, if you have a name that sounds like somebody famous, you could get in. So that could have helped 
John Ritter or, um, you know, in some areas um, that are looking for minority candidates, that can help you. If they want a woman in, apparently that can help you on some of the races. Mm -hmm. So there's different things when you get down ballot where you don't know the candidates that can pull you up. So Yvonne Lewis-Holly, you know, is a female candidate. And I'd interviewed her recently for a story looking at how African-American women candidates don't get as much on the Democratic side, don't get as much campaign money as white candidates and some of the hurdles that they have about that. But it's not just the money. Like, you know, Chaz Beasley got a lot of endorsements and Lieutenant Governor Van Dyne got endorsements and had the most money. Uh, but Holly had, you know, the most the most presence, the most support, obviously, or she wouldn't have um, been in the lead. Chaz is one I feel like he's got a cool enough name that that could have slid him in and it didn't work for him. If people don't, it's really, I mean, some of the analysts I talk to, it's about like, do I know this person? Yeah. You know, and if they're from like a big enough area, then if their troops come out, then then that'll do it. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it's, you know, name guessing and, and mm-hmm. whatever else. What, um, you guys were surprised by Tony Street, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was, you know, Danielle wrote this long story about Street's interesting history, which I'm... He's got he's got criminal charges. He's never been convicted, which we should remember. He's never been convicted. Um, but um, he's had charges of stalking, um, simple assault, resisting... I don't think it was resisting arrest, but it was like something to that effect with a um, he caused a public disturbance at a concert and then refused to put his hands behind his back when the officer tried to arrest him. Um, and then also, you know, so used some foul language at the officer calling him a pig with words before that. Um, all of this is alleged. He has been on probation for one of the stalking charges, but didn't. it was like an agreement with the DA. He didn't actually plead on that. Um, so, yeah, you know, we had that article come out this weekend right before the election and he I mean he won it yeah I'm guessing a lot of people didn't read that because I mean who's we almost didn't or pay didn't that much care. attention yeah, yeah we almost didn't pay much attention to Street because he was such an unknown who was running mm-hmm. so little the campaign I looked up his campaign finance reports he spent like no money there weren't signs there weren't really much of anything to, to advertise his candidacy hey, meanwhile the, the other Republican was Tim Hochmeyer who mm-hmm. was one of the top lieutenants to Beth Wood in the Office of State Auditor. So seemingly the candidate that Republicans wanted to have a strong, you know, resume for going up against Beth Wood in the fall. And instead, they've got this guy with somewhat of a rap sheet who no one really knows who he is. So I don't know what, the, you know, if it's ballot order that his name was first and people chose that, or if the name Tony Street sounded cool to people like Tony Hawk or something. But <laughs> It really is just, I mean, it's such a crapshoot from race to race because, you know, you have that race where clearly, you know, it looks like probably a lot of voters weren't really rallied around a specific candidate or, you know, just kind of went in, you know, picked picked a name, maybe just the first name on the ballot. But then, you know, there's other races like the lieutenant governor race on the Republican side where voters really, really rallied around Mark Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, just kind of race by race, uh, you know, it, if there's a candidate who tends to stick out or if it's just kind of random. Well, Robinson, too, has, I mean, he's more on the national scale. Like, his campaign site is, you know, like, I've been on Fox and Friends and, you know, this many millions of people, like, watched my video and, like, people noticed that, you know. Although yeah. Bloomberg had a lot of ads, didn't do him any good. Um, no. Lucille, do you want to, what was it like at the Democratic Party um, watch party last night. Like there weren't as many, I guess, down ballot um, candidates there, but. No, Deborah Ross actually didn't come out until the very end. Almost everyone, I would say three fourths of people had left by the time she got there. 
Um, but it was sort of, yeah, Roy Cooper came, Dan mm-hmm. Blue came. Um, who else was there? But it was pretty slow to start. But by the time Roy Cooper came out, the crowd was really, <laughs> really hype. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really surprised at the lack of shock um, when Joe Biden was called for North Carolina pretty early in the night. Really, no one cared. <laughs> Didn't have any reaction. So I thought that was really interesting. Maybe they had already kind of thought within the party. I, I was surprised by that. I, I thought that maybe Biden would win over Bernie, but I didn't think quite like so I expected so to be a lot much. closer. Yeah. And I mean, you had the... We were sort of surprised in the newsroom because the national networks were calling it right at 7.30, which is when the polls were supposed to close. But because there had been some voting irregularities, the actual results weren't posted until like 8.15 and people were still voting or could have the option to still vote until 8.10, which I think is almost, polls. yeah. And I don't think we should kind of do that. Yeah, it's irresponsible the networks because you don't yeah. want to say who the winner of election was when some people have not cast their ballots yet because that almost, I mean, almost functions as a voter suppression because you might think, oh, I've got 10 minutes to vote, but they already have a winner. What's the Or if you're in line and the yeah. line is an hour, they're well, like, why should I bother? And like, you need some actual data. Like, yeah, you know, we can wait the, 10 minutes. We've had polls for weeks and they've told yeah. Yes. things and they may or may not be right. It's not that hard to wait. That probably took away from the shock too because you're going on exit polls and nothing else. You don't have the data from the voters yet. And so it's like, hey, they won. Did he really won? Because we don't have any data. Oh, he won. Okay, well, we've known that for like, Yeah, but you hours. didn't know that, you know? I know. And like you don't, like if you're wrong, who cares if you were first? You know, you, you screwed up. So I, know. I think it's worth, like, I don't think... You know, we all could have lived with 30 minutes later of finding out. Well, obviously they weren't paying attention. Like, polls are closed in North Carolina. Actually, no, they haven't. If you were actually in North Carolina and paying a look of attention, (laughs) instead of sitting in a studio in New York City. But don't get me on my soapbox about national media sucking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting, speaking of the campaigns and national media, I covered Biden when he came to St. Aug, which is, um, as you all know, the um, small private HBCU in Raleigh. And there weren't a whole lot of people there and it was pretty cold in the morning and I probably interviewed everybody and it was still like a long time before it opened. And so I went over to the press entrance and they said, no, we're not letting you in yet. And I was like, well, obviously I see press sitting here. Um, They're like, well, no, that's national press. So they got to come. Like if you're trying to come like to win a state and then you don't even let like, I mean, so it's me and like all the local station camera people, unless they had set up something before just like waiting And so like the Biden campaign on the ground here um, just really wasn't at the level that Bernie or Warren or definitely not like, you know, blanket everything Bloomberg, even Klobuchar. Like we knew like just for the one week she was here, like we knew everybody's name, you know, and like they like were had really good like field operations, I would say. In fairness, Bloomberg stuck me in the corner. Like all right. You're the first one here. Yeah. But we got like they contacted us individually. It wasn't just like a mass email to the entire country, you know, and and, yeah, it's a different kind of operation. And the enthusiasm at the Biden events, because I covered two of them, weren't the same as Bernie and Warren, where everyone was like really psyched. Um, But again, like, you know, excitement at rallies doesn't translate to to votes necessarily. Yeah, I think there's a larger point there. I mean, Biden really had just no presence in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. He barely visited. He didn't really have a big field campaign here. But he got almost twice as many votes as Bernie Sanders did last night. Um, And, you know, Bernie Sanders obviously had a big field campaign. Then, you know, Mike Bloomberg had a huge, huge staffing in North Carolina, had really actually kind of gone all in on North Carolina, was hoping that we'd be the state to really kind of deliver him a pretty good chunk of delegates. And then he didn't even get 15 percent, which is the threshold to even get delegates here. So... 
Well, I mean, you know, just kind of there's some there's some sort of swell, you know, for for Biden going on because you had seen some polls that had basically Biden and Bernie and Bloomberg all tied at around 20 percent. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was that one Democratic debate and then Biden kind of surged in South Carolina and all of a sudden he won 40 plus percent of the vote here. I saw some poll last night and I could have this a little bit wrong, but I think the exit polls were saying that black voters in North Carolina want to go back to the same kind of administration that President Obama had. And that's why Biden was boosted up last night. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, yeah. Biden did much better with African-American voters than, than Bernie did of, of, of all ages, generally. Um, and it's because, you know, the African-American voters I interviewed at the Biden events, they're like, yeah, he's fine. They're not all as excited as someone at like a Warren or a Bernie rally, but they are, they're like, well, Obama picked him, you know, I'm, he's familiar, he's been there, he's fine. And he's kind of sort of the safe vote. And maybe when it came down to those that didn't really vote, but voted, um, you know, uh, yesterday decided like, who do I want up against Trump? And I think that's kind of what we saw. Yeah, I was also really surprised the Pete Buttigieg crowd on Saturday night was really lively. Um, I know Pete held his event at the same high school that Warren held her event when she came. It was packed out, it was loud, Mm -hmm. and then he dropped the next day. (laughs) Yeah, and that's Broughton, which is a really big, really big gym. And you said it was full, right? And like the long lines. And yeah, so, you know perception and then reality of when people go vote isn't isn't the same but we don't know what'll happen in the general either too well if you if you look at the statewide map of north carolina and how the cannons did by county um uh bernie won more counties in 2016 than he did this year um you know uh biden essentially flipped orange county uh which had gone for bernie in 2016 but went for biden this year um biden or Sanders had also won a bunch of Western North Carolina counties that in 2016 that Biden won this year. So um, that's picking, but you know, so a white man won. I mean, versus a woman, I guess, right in 2016. So I don't know how much of of gender, um, you know, is a factor in votes. Probably, it could factor into it. Um, all right. Well, I think we've gone through about all the. Oh wait, no, that's a uh, snake bite. Snake yeah, bite. So, yeah. Yeah. We 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 have to talk about the the funky things that happened in election day uh because this is north carolina weird stuff does tend to happen um and there's always some sort of weird voting irregularities so the center of that yesterday was the community called snake bite in bertie county they had an issue with a um either a ballot reader or scanner or something that was not working for a while so some people had been sent away and told to come back uh so they wanted to make sure they had extra time so they extended the polls uh, but that brought a lot of attention to snake bite, which most of us didn't realize was a place. I don't uh, like snakes. <laughs> is it? A, it's, is it an? Un, it's an unincorporated. It's an unincorporated area. township area, um, sort of near Grabtown. I think someone said it was on the. <laughs> when looking at a map. On like Cow Street or. Yeah, it's yeah. on the uh, Cow, Cow. Uh, Track Road. Yeah. So very very rural. Um, I mean, the great thing about unincorporated areas is like you don't. I mean, they have like the most interesting names. Clearly, yeah. You know. It's great for that. So that, that, you know, was the reason that, as we were talking earlier, you know, we didn't start to get results back right at 730 because the polls uh, were staying open a little bit past eight to accommodate uh, folks in, in snake bite. And I think one precinct in Forsyth County as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to, you know, look up the history of snake bite mm-hmm. and learn why the name was that. 
if you were thinking it was because someone got bit by a snake there, you're wrong. It's actually, apparently the legend goes that there was like a militia getting ready to do something there. No one's sure like what war or what militia, but... Um, as the story goes. As the story goes. Um, but they were getting bored, so they dared each other to bite the head off a snake, and one of them did that. Um, so The things young people did before phones. Yeah. And also, if you're It's like the Tide Pod Challenge, but for the 1800s. Let us know if it's legit. <laughs> So is that going to be your headliner of the week? Um, and I'm actually saving my other quirky election uh. thing from yesterday that Danielle got to witness me like never, dying laughing at my I've desk. I've never seen Colin lose it like he did last night when he discovered his headliner of the week. Okay, so that takes us to headliner of the week. Do we have last year's winner or what last week? Last, last year. year. It feels like last it's year. It's been so many years We've since the last so cast. hours together. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's only hours. Wednesday, <laughs> Super Tuesday is super long day. So, so as um, we've told you previous weeks, if you, you guys get to vote for Headliner of the Week via Twitter poll, and it's our at Under the Dome Twitter account, and we'll retweet it. So last week's uh, resounding win for Snow at 41%, All right. uh, okay. followed by Fox Hunting at 36%, yeah. and well behind the rest of those two was a Long Candidate List at 14%, and Local Endorsements at 9 so Oh, that was mine. Congrats to I don't Snow. even remember which one mine was. All right, we'll be Fox back with Headliner of the Week. All right, we're back with headliner of the week. Uh, we'll start with my pick, and I'm gonna say that voter that stuck out the long lines. I saw on Twitter pictures of people, like, you know, if you're in line, when the polls close, you still get to vote, and people pretty pretty dedicated primary voters. So I'm gonna say the dedicated line waiters to vote. All right, I'm uh, as we uh, foretold before the break, uh, my choice is an obscure one, uh, perhaps the most obscure polling place in the state of North Carolina, known only as Edgar Eller's Garage, because it is, in fact, some guy's garage in the mountains of Watauga County. Uh, looking at a map, it looks like it's about halfway between Snake Mountain and Meat Camp. Um, <laughs> so, you know, most people vote at like a school or a community center. I vote at a church. Uh, some people vote in this guy's very sketchy looking garage and there are pictures on the State Board of Elections website of this polling place um, where it's like two of the standard issue voting booths set up in, you know, a messy garage um, in the middle of nowhere. Next to what looks like a shower. Yeah, I I, and apparently there have been shower. complaints from the poll workers there that there's no self-service, there's no internet, there's no electricity or bathrooms, so there's sort of uh, limited facilities there and they'd like to have it moved. Uh, it looks like about 30 or so people voted there yesterday. They. Uh, we're all across the board. Uh, most of the Democrats there voted for Biden or Sanders. The majority of the Republicans there voted for Trump, except for one vote for Bill Weld. Um, and that's that was, you know, how things went on uh, Election Day at Edgar Eller's Garage, which is my pick. All right, Colin. Well, um, I've got to go with Vermin Supreme, uh, the uh, the erstwhile libertarian presidential candidate who did not come out ahead here in North Carolina. His, you mean his mandatory toothbrushing stance was not a winning issue? <laughs> it was not, uh, nor was his uh, a pony for every American. Yeah, uh, this, uh, <laughs> I want a pony! <laughs> which really, if you think about it, is not a very libertarian stance. Um, yeah. That's yeah. very FDR-inspired. Who's going to pay for it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> which, like you know, the clearly libertarians didn't like it, but he did win a handful of counties in North Carolina, so I'm looking forward to, you know, the NMO assigning me to go out and, you know, to these far-flung places and find, uh, you know, why 
why Camden County and places yeah, the, like that. The three libertarians in Camden County who voted for Herman Supreme. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just, you know, it's these kind of silly races. But, you know, I mean, there were, you know, hundreds of people who came out and voted in the, the libertarian uh, primary for Vermin Supreme, who's best known as, you know, the guy who wears a boot on his head and uh, has a funny name, uh, you know, and... Well, the other funny name I think was censored off the ballot. They were going to have a guy named Dan Taxation is Theft um, on their ballot, but the State Board of Elections determined that there's no way he actually is known as Taxation is Theft in real life, so they made him just be Dan, whatever his last name was. So you could legally he didn't do well. change his name, like Homer yeah. Simpson well, changing Supreme it to Max Well, is apparently Brown. a legal name, which is why he gets to be Vermin Supreme on the ballot. Did he change his name no, to that? Yeah, no one knows this man's real name. I've Googled it extensively. <laughs> Well, the data's out there somewhere. Uh, but I tweeted about it. Uh, he actually retweeted me uh, one of my tweets about it. So uh, you there's know. your win. <laughs> <laughs> when you talk to him, can you tell him I want my pony to be pink with very fancy hair and something to do with rainbows? Oh, could know. probably afford My Little Pony. I know. For I was everybody. thinking. I just described a My Little Pony. Did you just lead me into that? Yeah. yeah. All right, Lucille, you're sitting out this first round. I'm going to skip my headline of the week this week, but I will come back next week with a great pitch. Yeah, crush okay. us all next time around. the headline of the week. All right, Daniel? Um, I am going with the no preference people. <laughs> people voted for no preference over some candidates and, uh, you know, really didn't care who won. Well, no preference won the primary for, I think, both the Libertarian and the Constitution Party mm -hmm. presidential candidates, right? So you had all these people go to the polls and then... Vote Not for fair. no preference. Say, I don't like any of these people. I'm interested to care. learn about no preferences campaign platform. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I it's don't a care. I have a feeling it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Seinfeld of elections. <laughs> but even in the Democratic primary with a larger number of voters, uh, I believe at one point, maybe, uh, I don't know if this is the latest numbers, but uh, no preference was beating Tom Steyer, who before dropping out had spent quite a bit of money in North Carolina. Yeah, no preference beat a ton of Democrats uh, yeah. in the race, uh, inclu including Steyer, who spent so many, <laughs> so many millions of dollars. Yeah. Now, it would be interesting is if in our Twitter poll, like, people think it's no preference. In as, the poll. Oh, yeah, and so. it again. <laughs> people. All right, people. you guys, we'll tweet it out when the, when Domecast is up at, at Under the Dome. Um, Don Vaughn here with Colin Campbell, Will Doran, Lucille Sherman, and Daniel Battaglia. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.